Welcome to this episode of the Feeding Freedom Podcast. My name is Chanel, your host. I'm a mental health advocate and recovery warrior who battled anorexia and years of disordered eating as a way to cope with life's hardships. My goal is to help motivate and encourage you in your own journey to food freedom through personal stories, through the knowledge I've gained, and through insight from fellow warriors just like you and me. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Feeding Freedom Podcast. We are here today with our very first guest. His name is Benjamin Herrick, and he is here today to talk about his story. Um, and he's in recovery from drug and alcohol abuse. And he's going to talk a little bit about how he recovered from that. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Ben, and uh, I've been in recovery now for about uh, for a little over seven years, uh, November 11th. 2012 is my sobriety date, um, and I'm in recovery from uh, addiction to opiates primarily. Um, but yeah, that was my main drug of choice, but I also used other substances as well. Well, glad to have you here, and I'm sure our listeners can gain something from what you have to share. So go ahead and give us a little background on your story. To start uh, with. So it started uh, like any normal teenager in today's society with um alcohol and and indulging um experimenting with uh marijuana and for me it just triggered something in me that i felt i felt like i had found something that i didn't know i was looking for my whole life like mm-hmm. i just felt whole with it i guess and uh and and it took off rapidly from that point and it became almost a daily thing and then eventually it did become a daily thing and um and I was pretty much open to ex- to trying anything and experimenting with anything and before I knew it several years later I was um in full grips of addiction which eventually led to an arrest uh for possession of uh narcotics and mm-hmm. that's kind of that's what started me on the road to recovery it's a crazy story. So thank you for being so open and transparent with us. Um, can you tell us a little bit now about how you made the decision to recover? I know you talked about your arrest. Can you explain a little bit about how that contributed to your recovery? Well, I didn't, even after the arrest, I was still kind of in denial that I had a problem. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to get the legal stuff figured out. I didn't even have any plans really on stopping what I was doing. I knew my plan was to tone back what I was doing or maybe not do like the hard stuff anymore and just keep it with drinking and, and, you know, smoking weed or something. Um, but pretty much what got me into rehab was talking to a lawyer and he, who told me that he could help me with, my legal troubles, but I needed to take care of myself. And he told me that I, he want, needed me to go into a 30-day inpatient treatment center. At first, mm-hmm. I mean, I agreed to it, but I was extremely resistive to it internally. I did not want to go. I didn't think I needed it. Like, mm-hmm. there was no way I wanted to go, but I knew I had to do it. So I agreed to it, and a couple weeks later, I went in. That day I went in, that was my first... Uh, that was my first day of sobriety, November 11th, 2012. So, seven years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, so, let's see. Um, so, rehab. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and um, how that kind of changed you? Because I know you were in denial. Did that change your perspective at all? Yeah, it didn't take long. I think I was there for about a week and I you know being there and hearing the stories that the other guys are talking about it was an all it was an all male facility mm-hmm. and i started to realize that i did all the same things that these guys did mm-hmm. like i wasn't different i wasn't alone like i and these guys are calling themselves addicts and alcoholics mm-hmm. so that must mean i am cuz even then i knew there was a difference between an addict and somebody who just kind of got carried away. And I was hoping that I was that 
the person who kind of just got carried away, but I could get a handle on it myself. Mm -hmm. But there was when I admitted to myself that, yes, I am an addict and that's the first step. And I do need help. Yeah. And um, rehab was actually a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, it was fun, you know, developing relationships with these guys because you're kind of all in the same boat where you're trying to battle this thing and and you're trying to learn how to live life again but you everybody there is still like is still obsessed with drugs mm-hmm. but you're and you're all there for various situations got you to where you are but we understood each other on a on a deeper level I think and and we had a lot of fun it was you know a very uncomfortable time at the same time but when I think back to it, it's all fond memories. Wow, that's crazy because I feel like for most people, just the word rehab has kind of a negative connotation to it. Um, and people don't really expect it to be fun. So that's great that you had such a great experience. And I really think it helps that you had, you know, those guys there to um, share in that with you and your struggles. And just to know that you're not alone, um, I think is really powerful. Yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. You don't. I guess I didn't know there were people that were just like me. I guess I just never really thought about it until I was there. I was actually planning to use when I got out, and then it was about a week into it when I real when I called that off. You know, I contacted mm-hmm. uh, my friend on the outside, and I told him, you know, I need to cancel that because there's never going to be one more time. It's always going to be, it's going to go right back to where I left off. And I, you know, I wanted to give this thing a try. It really seemed like you had a lot of growth, even in that small time, because you said it was 30 days. It was 30 uh, 30 days. 30 day program. And even a week into it, you already made like a lot of progress just mentally. Okay. So what was it like to make the decision to choose recovery, like actually commit to it and not because you felt like you had to. Well, I don't I don't feel like it was ever really I don't know at what point I was all in cuz for a while it was really like one foot in, one foot out like mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't keep living the way that I was living cuz I was going to die or I was going to end up in prison and I I knew I didn't want that for myself, but I didn't know any other way and mm-hmm. And then, you know, the obsession at that time was still so strong and everything reminded me of drugs at the time and, you know, the cravings were there really strong, but it was just knowing that I couldn't live that way anymore. And I I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay sober for good, but I was going to do what they told me to do. I was I, I, I was going to do what was suggested of me, and if it didn't work, it didn't work. But it seemed to work for all these people that I was seeing in these meetings and everything, and I decided to give it a, a shot and, and not go half into it, but mm-hmm. go all the way in and, and do what was suggested of me, um, take these steps, and see where it takes me. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least I tried. I can always go back to what I was doing. And at some point, gradually, I just got really serious about it. Sometimes that's all you need to take the first step is to just try. and like. Yeah, you don't have to be... It's not... They, they say it's not for those who want it. It's not for those who need it. It's for those who do it. Mm. Recovery is not for those who want it. It's for those who do it. So even if you don't know if you want it, mm-hmm. if you're doing it and you're doing what what it takes and you're not shortchanging yourself and only you know that, mm-hmm. you'll get the benefits from it. I can really relate to that with my own recovery from an eating disorder. Um I really like what you said about, you know, like it's not for those who want it or for those who need it. Um, Because for me, 
I, I didn't want it at first, you know, I was comfortable. I knew just like you, like it was not something that I could do for the rest of my life. It was, you know, taking a toll on my mental health and my physical health, but it was kind of the only way I knew how to cope with life. Um, and I didn't really want to choose recovery, but I knew it was the only way. So I kind of just did what I knew I had to do. I, you know, researched, um, you know, the first steps I had to take and watched, other people who have recovered and just kind of follow their footsteps and and then that's how i'm here today so yeah. i mean it just starts with that yeah just just trying you know they say um we don't think our way into different behavior we act our way into different behavior mm-hmm. so if we want to change something in ourselves we can't just sit there and think about it and it's going to happen we have to take the steps that it's going to take to change us and it's not going to feel we're not going to feel the effects right away but as we continue mm-hmm. to to okay. take action then that's what's going to change us internally and i think like speaking literally for recovery from an eating disorder um when you're doing the work in the beginning your your mindset isn't really going to change as fast as your body changes. Um, But eventually you start eating more and you start realizing that what you're doing is actually working and is actually um, good for you, then you start to, like there's a mental shift that takes place during that time. And I think that's where you reap most of the benefits. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At some point, the willingness grows as you continue to do it. I agree. um, And it may be gradual. For some people, it's... It's different for everybody. It's instant. It, it's just, it's different, and it's important to not compare your recovery with somebody else's because mm-hmm. everybody is on their own yeah, track. And that's just another important part is don't – if you relapse, relapse is not a part of my story, but I think it's important to not quit trying Yeah. just because – you know somebody who never relapsed or most people I know have relapsed. And, and that's part of their recovery story. And it's right? part of the story. The, the main thing is don't give up. If you give up, then you really do lose to your mm-hmm. addiction. Or you, you, and you, But if you continue to try 100%, and only you know if it's 100%, mm-hmm. if you continue to try 100%, I, I believe... You do, will succeed. Do, like you do it will. 100%. Yeah, you will succeed. Yeah, because yeah, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, so when I f- was in my eating disorder, I was, you know, really deep in my behaviors and my way of thinking. Um, I attempted recovery, but I was only like halfway in. Um, I didn't really want to commit to it because I still kind of wanted to hold on to that control and that sense of false comfort that my eating disorder gave me. Um, so that kind of leads me to my next question for you is how did you try to control your addiction when you were in active addiction? Like, yeah, so like, like, like you were saying, there were ways that I tried to control it myself. Like, never really going fully into recovery. I didn't even know what recovery was at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it was a full surrender of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would, my, you know, before I would try, my goal was to get off the hard stuff and I would, and I would go through withdrawals and, and, and get through it, but I was never fully sober. I would, I would just replace it with alcohol or something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and always always led me back to my my drug of choice and because it's a disease yeah and and it's a cycle and then uh-huh. you get you know your mind tricks yourself like oh I've been you know I, I I haven't used this substance in you know a month maybe I can go you know I can go back to it like on once a week or just control like I'll get a better control of it this time get a fresh start. But it doesn't happen that way. You start again, and from that first one, you're right back where you left off, and worse. It gets mm-hmm. worse than it was when you last stopped. And that is this a common story with everybody that 
I know that that tried to control it um, through that way. And it wasn't, even when I first went to rehab and I heard, you know, the guys talking about, you know, being sober from, clean and sober from all drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And that was a shock to me because I was planning on drinking a lot when I got out of rehab, you know, like I was going (laughs) to, Like, I was there to stop doing the hard drugs, Mm -hmm. but I was going to drink a lot when I got out. And I remember asking my roommate, like, do I need to stop drinking too? And he was like, yeah, you should. And I was like, no way. That's like impossible. How Like nothing at all. And, um, but that's what it takes. It took full surrender. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't fully surrendered everything, then I wouldn't. I don't believe that I would be here today. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And it didn't happen like right away, like the full surrender. Like you said, you you know you did the first steps, and then eventually. Yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, well, part of part of giving it a 100% shot was not drinking or or doing any drugs was was being completely sober, and mm-hmm. so that's like where I step. you know that's where I took it. Um, one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. It's crazy just how similar, um, you know, addiction is to eating disorders and how similar recovery is, um, as well. I can definitely see how it can relate to, you know, my personal story and my personal recovery. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so coming out of rehab after those 30 days, you had to kind of jump back into, you know, a normal life, right? Mm-hmm. Was that easy for you or was that also kind of a transition and did you have to relearn some things when you came out? That uh, was a huge transition. Like I was kind of afraid to come out of rehab. I didn't know what it was going to be like coming out. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay sober or not. I remember waking up really early that morning when I was going to leave just because I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious and I woke up early and, and one of my roommates, um, who was actually a pastor oh. was already awake too. I guess he always woke up really early before the sun came up and I was talking to him about how I was feeling and he, he prayed over me and, um, I'll never forget it. It was a very powerful experience. And I think that that that, that stuck with me um, throughout my recovery, especially early on. Um, but when I got out, everything reminded me of drugs. My room, um, you know, various parts of the city that I lived in, parks, mm-hmm. like it didn't, my car, everything, literally everything reminded me of drugs. And it was hard and the cravings were there and the obsession was still there. Um, I didn't know how to live life. I, I had gone, I had so, I had socially isolated myself in my addiction. So even just to say you, were you like high functioning? You would say like, were you still, because nobody really suspected you were using in those seven years, I'm guessing. Not that I know of. Yeah. I'm so. sure there were people who did. Because mm-hmm. I didn't look good. I was yeah. really skinny. I lost a bunch of weight. Like, But you were in school. So. I was in school and you I were was... Doing, okay, you were doing good. <laughs> passing my classes, like barely passing my classes. Um, and I had a job. And, and these were kind of the ways that I justified what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But you still had to learn how to, how to live a life without the drugs. Yeah. I know? mean, I guess you could say I was high-functioning, high but I, I still had socially isolated myself, especially towards the end. I cut mm-hmm. everybody out of my life out that wasn't contributing to my addiction. And that's, like, Everyone. sadly the nature of it. And yeah. I, I, I made it so that, I could disappear with nobody looking for me. Mm. And um, so I had to learn how to socialize again with people. And I had to learn how to have fun again without uh, alcohol. You know, my idea of fun back then was going out and getting drunk and going to bars and everything. 
I couldn't, I wasn't doing that anymore. So it was like, what do I do? It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. How do people have fun without this stuff? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. I remember, (laughs) I remember, um, so what I did when I got out was I went to an outpatient rehab just because Mm -hmm. I didn't know what else to do with myself. So Mm -hmm. five days a week, you know, I I had the luxury of being able to do that. You know, I didn't, I wasn't married. I didn't have a kid or anything like not everybody can do that, but I, Mm -hmm. I was blessed to be able to do that. And I remember checking in and looking at this poster on the wall of a guy riding a bike through a field and it says, what sets you free? And I just remember getting so irritated by that poster because it was like, nobody can have fun doing that. <laughs> like, nobody actually has fun doing that. Um, That's so funny. And now I find myself today having fun doing stuff like that. <laughs> but to me, Stationary back then, bike. yeah. But to me, back then, it was so unfathomable that mm-hmm. normal stuff like that could be enjoyable yeah. so that was a transition you know i had i had to like i had friends that i could lean on and you know i would call particularly one friend mark and i would call him up and every day almost we were hanging out and just just doing whatever we'd go out to eat we'd go to the driving range, you go um, sometimes just drive around, like trying to think of something, pastime, some clean yeah. fun to do. And sometimes we would never find anything, and we would just drive around and not find nothing to do that mm-hmm. didn't involve anything bad. And we would just talk. But those are all fond memories too. Like mm-hmm. that was a, it was a very confusing time in my life, but it was also uh, a fun time of my life. I I really mm-hmm. felt like that's where my life today started. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like I've lived two lives. There was pre-recovery and post-recovery. And like, I see the start of my life as it is today in 2012 or the end of 2012. each year sober. Yeah. It's like, it's like a birthday. Yeah. And it's like growing up Mm -hmm. again and learning how to live like a learn learning how to function like a normal human being so would you say that your friends changed um coming out of you know your addiction and recovery or yeah did you keep in touch with old friends well it was kind of i didn't i didn't intentionally cut anybody off um any of my old friends off because n- none of them like my old friends they weren't as bad as i had been like they were all they they liked to drink and and do other things but they weren't addicts like mm-hmm. I was but because I had such a focus on staying sober I had to take a break from them like I I didn't trust myself being around alcohol at the time and that was what they liked to do so I had to take some time off and and just I hung out with people from the church and people from my meetings and just over time you know, you, I just gradually lost touch with those people. And the people that I was spending time with became my circle. They became my inner circle of friends. And they were the ones that I was spending all my time with. So it wasn't intentional, but it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to when your early days out of, you know, rehab, when you were hanging out with Mark, um, you said that was kind of the start of, you know, your new life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of seems like he kept you accountable, um, kind of kept you away from, you know, your past behaviors and kind of kept you in check. Um, would you consider accountability to be an important factor in recovery? Yeah, accountability um, is mandatory i believe in in recovery it's Mm -hmm. completely necessary because if you're the only one who knows what you're up to like that's it's dangerous and um so i had him and i had a sponsor um in the program that i was in 
and I had a bunch of other people that I could call to and but I had you know mainly two two main guys that I would go to and the important thing is in accountability is you need to play an active part like they're not mind readers so they don't necessarily know in the middle of the night if you're having a craving or you're having thoughts of using so in those moments I would pick up the phone and make the phone call, even if I didn't want to. Mm. And they would, you know, talk to me. They'd come come over and hang out with me. And before I know it, like, the craving's gone. And, and we just oh. end up doing something fun or whatever. And uh, I remember particularly one night I was really close to drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wanted to go out and drink. And I called Mark and... He came over, we just watched movies, like funny movies, and I knocked out, and that was it. Woke up the next morning and had no desire to drink or use. So accountability is, um, I think, invaluable to recovery. It, it's, a, it's a must. You, you have to have people who know you. And, and that's another thing, too, was when I had isolated myself, mm-hmm. I, my goal was to be able to disappear without people looking for me. I can so relate to that. The eating disorder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by becoming accountable to people, I could no longer do that. Mm-hmm. If I all of a sudden tried to isolate, tried to disappear, they'd call me out mm-hmm. or they'd, they'd uh, come over and find me. Like I, I could no longer vanish without somebody looking for me. Yeah. And, and that's very important to have and i think that that's a common i think that social isolation is a common um factor between you know our two different diseases that we struggled with yeah i agree i mean there's a lot of similarities but that's definitely one of the bigger ones yeah um so other than having accountability and a good support system in recovery were there other ways for you to cope, like when you had cravings or when you were triggered? Yeah. Um, so, like yeah, I said, accountability was one of the main ones, but mm-hmm. um, I did a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of a 12-step program, so working the steps, you know, involved a lot of work that I, that came along with each step, and so I was busy doing that. Um, I, I stayed tried to get as active as I could in the church, um, in the program. They, so the program, it's, uh, I would say staying sober is like 10% of it, mm. but it's like the most important 10% and it's the ultimate goal of the program. But the rest of it, it it's a complete dismantling of your belief system. Um, it's a, deflation of ego and you 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 rebuild yourself through behaviors that are um better like you 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 develop integrity mm-hmm. you practice rigorous honesty you learn to admit when you're wrong if you say you're going to do something you do it you show up on time um my sponsor used to make me shake everybody's hand in in the meeting like just just to not isolate myself like Mm -hmm. go introduce yourself to everybody um so it was a lot of behavior modification and and these were the things that led us into sobriety because we start to see how our own fears and our own character defects contributed to our disease Mm-hmm. Right, like drugs and alcohol were a symptom of the real problem. Eating disorders, restriction yeah. was the symptom. Yeah, and it, but the real problem, we believe, is within us. Like we're maladjusted to life. Like I can't mm-hmm. tell you exactly why I got into drugs. I don't know. It's probably a multiple. It's probably multiple reasons, but I don't think it really matters. Ultimately, yeah. what I say is I, I just couldn't live life on life's terms. And I was maladjusted to life. I didn't know how to adjust to things. I didn't know how to deal with emotions. And so I, I turned to that. And for whatever reason, that soothed me. That was my coping mechanism. And and in order to fix that, I needed to look internally 
and do some work to change what what was missing inside mm. and ultimately that that brought me to a connection with god mm. which is the main the most important uh factor of my recovery is my connection with god because i i made a mess of my life trying to run it myself and it was time for me to turn over to to surrender my will and my life over to the care of god and um and part of that part of turning my will and life over to him which is the um yeah which was the third step of the program and and part of that third step to me was doing what was suggested of me in the program mm. doing everything that they suggested that i do you know you taught if if somebody asks you for something or ask you to be of service in some way and you are able to do it and you have no good reason to not do it then you do it you don't say no and that got me you know that get that mentality gave me a lot of opportunities to serve not just in the program but in church doing different mission trips and everything and all of that in life yeah, yeah and family and, like and family and and friends and all of that accumulated into a uh, deep change in my character and my mm -hmm. behavior which just gave me even an even stronger foundation in my recovery and gives you more reasons to not go back exactly so so when was the turning point for you where you found yourself to no longer be consumed by you know thoughts of using and uh, you know being triggered by everything um, like when did that point come? Um, did I don't you realize it. I don't know if there was like I, I don't know a definite point when that when the cravings and, and the obsession lifted. But mm -hmm. through working the steps, the goal is you know to bring you in contact with God, with a higher of higher power, God, and to bring you to a spiritual experience that will relieve you of the obsession to drink or use mm. and so th it was through the process of working the steps that that the obsession was lifted from me and i don't exactly remember when um, or how long it took i think maybe somewhere around six months was when i started to mm. realize like okay i haven't had a craving in a while or mm. like and and you i mean even today like the thoughts don't stop Mm -hmm. Right, like, like every now and then I'll I'll get a thought like, oh, a beer sounds good right now, right? Mm -hmm. But nothing. I wouldn't call it a craving. It's not a compulsion to act on it or an obsession or anything. It's just a thought. It's just a passing thought that's like easily dismissed. Mm -hmm. What I've learned um, through my own eating disorder recovery community actually is that. And that's the reason I asked you this is because a lot of us has dealt with that, you know, the uncertainty of what comes after and, you know, when will it actually, when can we actually start living life and when can we stop thinking about going back, you know? Um, but so one thing I learned um, from, I, I don't remember who, was that when you get these thoughts, um, it's, you you have to recognize that it's not your own, you know, you can acknowledge that it's there but that's all that's it you don't act on it you don't think too much about it um you just move on and I feel like that's pretty much how I describe me now in recovery um those thoughts used to be very triggering for me um they made me want to you know just quit recovery sometimes you know in early recovery and, and go back because it's it was just so ingrained in me at that time but mm -hmm. now it's just a complete mental shift and um yeah. well it shows that freedom is possible i think yeah like, like true freedom freedom me, like you know? you're not i remember when i first checked into the re outpatient re clinic and um the intake nurse who who was um doing my admission was in recovery himself and he told me that 
he wishes he could tell me it gets easier, but it mm. doesn't. And he'd been in recovery for a number of years. And now that I have some years under my belt, mm. I can, I can say that he's probably not doing it right. If it's not gotten easier for him after some upteen mm -hmm. years, then it's there's something. Then, like, why is it even worth it anymore? Yeah, Just go back to I what know. you were doing. Why would he say that? I yeah, and I don't know why he would even say <laughs> that to me knew. as a new, like, first coming into recovery. Like, okay, like, no. thanks. But, <laughs> so, but why am I here? I'm grateful to say that that is not the case. It's good. That's not the case at all. We need more people like you. And for most <laughs> people that I know. In recovery, mm -hmm. that's not the case mm -hmm. either. Yeah. Like for me, I would say I'm fully recovered, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm in recovery. And I feel like that's such a hard concept that for a lot of people to wrap their minds around. Like I just like what I talked about earlier, how like I have those thoughts, but they no longer have any kind of hold on me. I don't act on them at all. But, you know, I still have have to realize that you know, an eating disorder is a disease, is a disease that we're always going to have. Like addiction is a disease that you're always going to have. You can't ever be cured from it, you know? Right. We say we could put our, our disease is in remission. Mm -hmm. But if I were to say that I'm fully recovered, that would be to say that I can go back to drinking alcohol like a normal person and have a normal, healthy relationship with alcohol, mm. which I can never do. I don't believe that I could ever do. Um, sometimes when I like get thoughts like oh maybe like it wouldn't be that bad i think about I, I i we call it playing the tape i think about okay what would happen if i actually did it and i know 100 percent if i were to drink again it wouldn't be one like i would have zero intention of having just one drink like my goal would be to get you know a good buzz like probably drunk <laughs> once i get buzzed i get drunk it mm. it's all gone after that um, and knowing that that's my intention, that would be my intention for drinking. Even today that if I were to ever drink again, that would be my intention mm. would be to get drunk. That shows me that, that I don't have a normal mentality when it comes to alcohol. Yeah. I see, even today I see people drink a glass of wine and it's taking them forever to drink that glass me. of wine. I'm like, what? Like you. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm still like, comment on it you're like why aren't you finishing your like, wine what like, are why you is there still some left doing i would have like i would have been <laughs> three quarters through that bottle by now and you're like sipping on your drink so that all these things you know just affirm to me that i, mm -hmm. I i'm not normal in that sense mm -hmm. and i need to maintain i need to stay in recovery and that requires that I stay at completely abstinent. Yeah. I think I need to clarify a little bit because I know you said that you won't ever be fully recovered. And I think for us who um, are in recovery from eating disorders, when we say that we're fully recovered, I think that it's just to differentiate between partial recovery and, you know, being fully committed to recovery and um, reaching that point where you know you're never going to go back, you know? Um, I mean, you know, nothing's certain, but you, you know, like I, you... I yeah, go ahead. I think it's important to keep that mentality because if you feel that you've made it, you stop trying, right? Yeah, like, I agree. Like, if you're there already, you're like 100%, you're good, like, why try anymore? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that once you get into that uh, level of complacency, that's when it's really dangerous. And when you're, I, I've heard many stories of people, you know, thinking that they had a handle on it, they were good, they got complacent, and they stopped doing the work that they needed to do, and they relapse. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, you know. Um, um, well, for me, I, I, I think that's where it's, it gets a little confusing too because I, I don't have that mentality where I know that I'm like, I'm good and I can safely go back to dieting or safely, you know, eat healthier or eat clean again because I can handle it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm actively in recovery 
Um, but at the same time, I have reached a point um, where I'm, I feel I'm mature enough to, to know that I can never go back. And um, I think that's full recovery for me. But yeah. I don't have that you know, mentality that I can be complacent again. And I do, I, I do see how it's. That's where we where we differ. Because. Yeah, <laughs> but no, some people who are recovering from eating eating disorders don't believe full recovery is possible. That's also a big thing. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it makes sense because food is a normal part of mm-hmm. human life. Like you literally can't live without it. So it's not that you can abstain from food like you have to eat Mm -hmm. um even exercise is a part of normal human behavior like you can live a perfectly normal human life without ever using drugs or alcohol so i in in a sense i feel that that's um where it's easier for me maybe like i don't have to try to reintroduce myself to what triggered me Mm. Um, so yeah. I do feel for for the for you and for it's those just of you a new way of learning how to or new, associations. new associations pretty much right yeah. and I can I can relate to that in terms of triggers um, eventually those things none of those things that used to trigger me trigger me anymore yeah, because over time you develop new associations with these things in mm-hmm. your life and and they just develop a different meaning for you. Mm-hmm. over time yeah like food simple as that used to scare me i mean not every food but you know we have like our own fear foods for people who have eating disorders um mm-hmm. you know like a big fear food of mine was like ice cream or something or something that was like high calorie and now it's just to me it's just food it's it's not nothing more than that it's it's something that gives me energies it's i don't really think of it as good or bad there's no like uh moral dilemma that goes on before mm-hmm. i eat um so yeah i can relate to that and that's like i in for me like i i can go to a friend's bachelor party or yeah. birthday party where i know there's going to be alcohol and people are going to be drunk and and i can go to those things without feeling that i'm in danger of relapsing and that's a perfect example <laughs> yeah it i to mean my story in in the program, they say that we are free men and we can do what free men do. We can go where free men go. So a, a, as a result of being freed from our active addiction, we can do these things. Mm. Over time, I wouldn't ru- I wouldn't recommend anybody rush into, into things that they're not ready for yet. But yeah. if you're, you know, if you're at that point in your recovery, then... I feel it, it's possible to get there. Yeah. It's possible. hundred percent. You just have to have the discernment to know where you are, where you stand. Yeah, know, know your limits. Yeah. And then that's where accountability comes in, where you, your support system who can right. tell you if, you if you don't know. Um, and um, I guess just to kind of finish this podcast, we could talk about um, your faith, because I know you said that was the most important thing in your recovery, and I know that's the most important thing in my recovery, is my relationship with God and how um, He kind of carried me through recovery and kind of showed me a way out of such destructive behaviors. So right, and so like I grew up with a in a Christian home, and I had to, I had. A genuine uh, relationship with God when I was younger, and then, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, uh, it, I fell away. I'm not going to say that it didn't take root because it apparently did take root. But I did have a during those years of active addiction, I fell away, and my I had developed a warped view of God. I saw him as either a clockmaker, meaning that he created the earth and he created human beings and then he just left it to run on its own or I, I or he genuinely did have a relationship with certain people but he had no he had nothing to do with me mm. and that's because um i saw god as someone who made the rules do this don't do this 
And if you do the right things, then you're in his favor. And if you don't, then, um, you know, you're, you're doomed or, or whatever. And so the more I messed up, as we do, because we're not perfect, nobody is perfect, the m- less confident I felt that I can have a relationship with this God. And so I fell away. It's like, why even try? And I just kept indulging and I had a lot of shame at first. And then eventually the shame goes away and I'm just full on indulging in, in, in the behaviors that I was indulging in. Um, but as I came, as I got into recovery, I started to explore, I I returned back to this faith and and started to really get deeper into it. And I learned a lot of things about it that I somehow missed growing up. I I did not understand grace. I didn't understand um, Jesus and what he did or anything like that. I I didn't fully understand that it's not about what you do. It's not about earning your salvation it's about faith in in Christ and as a result of that faith you you change mm-hmm. and um not the other way around not the other way around and um that changed everything for me that mm-hmm. understanding that grace and understanding that i'm never going to be perfect none of us are but it's not my righteousness that saves me. It's Christ, It's Jesus's righteousness that saves me. Mm. Um, and so how did that play a big, big part in your personal recovery? Because I know you kind of um, found him again in uh, that program. Well, it, it literally gave, show, showed me the meaning of life mm-hmm. for me because I had a very um, um, nihilistic view. Uh-huh of life um i didn't see the meaning of anything i didn't see the point in anything i like i saw okay we mankind has developed a society that revolves around money and revolves and has made acquiring money a complete necessity and i felt that we're in a system that completely serves that purpose like we go to school through our whole lives and then when we're done, we work and make money, and then we die. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, saw, I was, what was the point? Like, what's the point of doing it? And that was another reason why how I justified my, you know, drug use was like, okay, if I'm forced to live this way, then I'm going to do it the way I want to. I'm going to have fun doing it or whatever. But it wasn't. It wasn't just limited to society. It was. I didn't understand the meaning of birthdays. I didn't get like the big wedding celebration or mm-hmm. holidays. It's like we just picked a day on a calendar that we decided to celebrate and we just celebrated. it. And mm-hmm. it was like to that extent, like I just mm-hmm. had no joy in anything and I didn't understand how other people had joy in anything. I had even at one point I, I had convinced myself that everybody had some kind of addiction and everybody else was just lying about it. Like I, I, I really believe that the majority of people were under the influence of some kind of drug and hiding it from each other just because I really could not fathom mm-hmm. how you could live without, without drugs or alcohol. That was me with eating disorders. I literally thought everybody was hiding their disordered eating habits. Yeah. It, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think that was just, because I was in that mindset, so I thought nobody else could be normal with food. And and right. And and one thing that changed my view on that was in the program they would talk about how well this is the situation you're in and and I believed that God has me in this situation. So how do I respond to that? Am I gonna continue this self-defeating behavior because I don't like where where I'm at Mm -hmm. or am I going to seek out God's will for me in this, in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so I even saw that as like, you know, while I'm in this society where we have to work and, you know, that's just something that we have to do. We have to go to school and we have to provide, but it's not just about that. 
there's family, there's love, there's um, so much joy that I didn't see mm -hmm. before. Like I didn't understand. I didn't know life could be this good. And, you know, society hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. What's changed was me internally. And um, God. yeah, and, and so my relationship with God literally gave me new meaning and new purpose in my life. I now know, I know who I am now. I didn't know who I was before. I thought I knew who I was. I thought I found who I was. Your identity was in the drugs. In the drugs. Oh. Like like I said, from the first time I did it, it was like, this is this is it. This is what I've been looking for. But it was a lie. Mm -hmm. Now I found what I've really been looking for. And, um, and I have joy. And I'm blessed. My life is amazing. Mm. That's truly... It such an inspirational story and I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this mostly people who are recovering from eating disorders um can really gain a lot of insight in in the things that you said I our stories are so similar and yeah I'm just so grateful that you were able to come on here and um tell us a little bit about your story and be so open with us and yeah so thank you oh, for thank, being here thank you for having me and I want to um, offer to, to anybody listening who may be struggling with, with drug addiction. You know, I, I can't help you. I don't have experience, personal experience with um, eating disorder myself, but if you happen to struggle with drugs or alcohol or you know somebody who does, um, feel free to contact me, message me on, on Instagram. Um, I'll put his info in the description and you can always right. contact me too. Or and you can I contact can, um, the, the feeding to. freedom page and, yes. and she'll make sure that I get it. And uh, I'd be happy to help. This is part of my recovery as well is, is part helping. It's part too. of the program and is helping others who, who struggle with this. And um, thank you for having me. And you're not alone. You're not alone. This is uh, proof. There's normal people like, me and like Ben who we have mental illness but um that's just our problem and uh we learn how to fix it and that's we just were life. shown and the way out yeah we were shown the way out and that just shows that you can uh find your way out as well if you're going through the same thing um so yeah thank you again and um maybe we'll have <laughs> thank you for tuning in and um yeah we'll see you guys in the next episode once again thank you so much for listening and if you would like more eating disorder and diet recovery inspiration head over to instagram and follow my page at feeding.freedom again that is at feeding.freedom Remember to stay in and keep fighting the good fight.